Welcome to the Film Look Podcast, where we're trying to do one shot at a time. I'm one half the Film Look, Robert Carr. I'm also joined by the half the Film Look, Richard Scott. Hey guys, what's up? And then I'm also joined by the official, unofficial third member of the Film Look, Christian Foreman. What's up, dudes? How's it going? We've turned into an 80s radio station over here at the Film Look FM. <laughs> no, we haven't. That's just the, the music from the film that we're going to be watching later on. Or we've watched uh, The Breakfast Club. Um, podcast? Yeah. Uh, fact? Christian, cool. you go first. You go okay, first. I've got a fact, fact this week. Um, so, you know the film Interstellar? Yes. Yes. Yep. So, on the, do you know when they go to that water planet? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, when the, the time is, I can't remember the exact thing, but the time is moving differently on this planet, right? Yeah. Yep. So, when they go there, there's a prominent ticking noise in the background. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might, you'll probably notice it now that I've told you. But mm-hmm. those ticks happen every 1.25 seconds, right? Oh, nice. And that, each tick you hear represents a whole day passing on Earth. Oh, wow. I like that. That's cool. I like that. That's a, that's that a nice you know what? That is a hard back fact to, you know, to be. It's totally Chris, fact. proper Christopher Nolan. I mean, that is, yeah. a, that is a proper Christopher Nolan fact. <laughs> that's but, a proper, like, a nerd thing yeah. you would put into the film, yeah. isn't it? That is a Nolan fact, but he's another Nolan fact. Oh. Nolan um, special. Um, Michael Caine in uh, The Dark Knight, uh, yeah. with the Joker scene, Michael when Caine. they're in the apartment, um, he actually had lines to say when the Joker was speaking, but he was so like scared of like what the Joker, how he was performing in front of him, he completely forgot. Them. So in that scene, if you remember, he there's a party happening, and then the Joker kind of walks in. Everything stops because yeah, people don't know what's going to happen. People, you know, they know this man already, and he can do anything at a split second, and it's just mayhem. Yeah, and um, yeah, written into the into the lines, and they just kept rolling. And Michael Caine is a he's a very very good actor. He's been acting for a lot of years. That's what people say. That's what people say. <laughs> it's a very That's intense a, scene. Yeah, it is a very intense scene. And it probably works better because he's yeah. standing there and he's literally petrified, but he's, you know, he's Alfred, who is somewhat hero as well. Yeah. I think in this version of Alfred, he is a lot older than we've seen in some other versions where he can, like, actually fight and things like that. Aye. But, uh, yeah, Michael Caine actually had lines. I wonder, what, I wonder what, those were, what they were. Script might be out there. This is, this is a difficult what the fact. Two Nolan facts. Can I give you? Can I give you a tie? No. No. Nope. Right. So that. we've we've got some ticking going on. <laughs> so that that's relative to Earth days. Yep. I mean that's clever. I like a bit of science yeah, going that's on like there. A that's like, that's like an fact. Easter egg. That. Yeah, that is an Easter egg. Yeah. That is the definition of an Easter egg. This one is very much about the performance. You love Easter eggs, though, don't you? Oh. I think Go on, have I a lovely think lo- have a lovely bit of egg. Go on. <laughs> I think I'm just just for the nerdiness, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to give it a care dog yeah, this yeah. Well, that's good. I haven't won in a few weeks, so yeah. that's but good. I really love that fact about uh what's it called again? Michael Caine. Michael Caine, yeah. I mean I I like the in the because it would be something that hopefully I would want to think yeah. about and put in there because there's you know a lot of his films that does have a lot of rhyme and reason a lot and of layers like aren't they yeah so um cool question you win um you yeah. get to tell us what's going on this week's podcast so coming up on this week's podcast we have news and views where we'll be discussing the Beckdale test i've been pronouncing it the betchdale test for the past few years i bet you sounded stupid in conversation <laughs> oh do you want to know something about the the betchdale test what you're talking about christian this is Go on, come on. So, and then after that, and you haven't seen that, we'll be figuring out how The Breakfast Club achieved the film look by dissecting its filmmaking properties. And then uh, if you want to send us any questions or to- topics or 
comments, you can find us at The Film Look on Twitter or via our email, which is thefilmlook at gmail.com. Rob, get us started with... News and views. Na, na, na. News and views. Na, na, na. So I've got a bit of news and a little bit of views as well. So uh, first bit of news is kind of this power pack that... Um, what called? I should have been prepared. Blind Spot Gear. Blind Spot Gear, uh, which are a company based in Glasgow and they make lights. And they've brought out like, this little power unit um, where you can plug an N- Sony NP battery in and you can pretty much charge anything. So on that unit, you plug the battery in and then you can plug uh, two USBs into that. Actually, four USBs. So you've got two normal USBs, a micro USB and a micro C USB. Um, and it also a 7.2 volt DC output. Right, we've got one of these, but we only have the DC out. We've got a video about us, how we like kind of customise DIY hours. Yeah. Um, but they, what they've done is they've, they've brought this out and they've put it all in one unit. And the, what I like about it is they haven't went, well, if you want to get extra port so you can have USB-C, you need to pay more money. No, it's just one unit, one price. There you go. Um, what you can do with these is if like if you've got a Sony camera like ours, um, you can stick a dummy battery into your camera and then charge it via uh, or power it via the DC out. Um, what also I like about this is it's got like power indicators so you can see how long your battery's left. And it's like super cheap as well. It's like $30, $45. It's on Kickstarter at the yeah. minute, isn't so, it? It's- yeah. It's on, yeah, it's on Kickstarter, and that's, the only reason it's on Kickstarter, I'm not trying to raise money, it's just pre-orders. That's that's what they're using it for, and I think it's publicity as well. It helps mm. helps with that. Yeah. Um, on the unit as well, you've got like a quarter uh, threaded mount. You've got a hot shoe mount, so it's super easy to kind of mount on your camera. We ours is just like it's velcro Vel- on, velcro on <laughs> a cheese plate. Yeah, yeah it's, it's all velcro on. Um, so yeah, and the, the super cheap at the minute they are thirty five uh, pounds, so that's forty five dollars. Once the pre-orders are finished, there will be more. Uh, and then you, you've got different combinations so you can get them with batteries, dummy batteries and things like that. And like I said, what I like about this, they're just putting out a good product at a good price. Yeah. Similar to what Aperture's doing with their lights, they're not trying to, you know, this is 100 quid. Yeah, They're going, 35 quid, that's all it needs to be because it's just simple circuitry. Yeah. Everything's in one. And you know you could take this out, you could charge your camera, charge your iPad, you could charge your phone, you could plug all of this in at the same time. And the MP batteries are fairly cheap and you get a lot out of them as well. Yeah. If you've got loads, it just kind of makes sense. What I like about this one in particular is the um, how it has a quarter 20 on the bottom, but also a cold shoe. Mm. And then also like a, like a zip tie uh, trough. Yeah. So you can like, if you wanted to, mount you could just anywhere. zip tie it like your arm or something. And yeah. The way you go. You can mount, mount it anywhere. Um, what he does show in one of the videos is he mounts it, uh, uses it for GoPro and GoPro don't have the best batteries. Um, and if you're doing a long time lapses, this will give you days worth of use. Yeah. It's a tiny little thing. Um, so yeah, that's from, um, this is called the Power Junkie and it's from Blindspot. I cannot think of half of these names at the minute. Um, yeah, um, we'll probably end up getting one eventually, I think, yeah. just because ours is DIY, it works, but why not have something which is wicked? A bit more special. Yep. Uh, so that's the end of the news. Well, I've got um, got some views. So um, like Christian says, there's a test um, called the Bechdel test. You thought it was the Bechdel. Be- Bechdel. I can see why that. <laughs> um, and what it is, um, it was created by Alison Bechdel in 1985, and it's a test um, uh, which has become a tool to call attention to gender and equality in pop culture and obviously our case films so this test is no way to say a film's bad or good it's literally just to kind of show if like identify identify if women are being represented in film in a in a correct way or within these parameters anyway so there's, there's three different rules so um the film has to have at least two women in it 
the two women must talk to each other. All right. Their conversation uh, must be about something other than a man. Because a lot of times in films, women are there to support the male character. Um, and they're very, they don't uh, help the plot in any way. Um, and this is, it's quite surprising how many films actually fail, fail this, fail this right. test. Most, um, most films fail it. Most Disney films fail the Betchdale test yeah, as well. Yeah, there, there is a lot of films um, that have failed it, and I've got some here which I'm going to ask, and you can say yes or no if they have passed it oh, or failed it. Yeah. So, Baby Driver, we went to see this. Um, what do you think? Has it failed this or... I think uh, it's failed. I think it's failed. I don't think she spoke to any other women. Yeah. Yep, it's oh, all. It's failed, yeah. So she's failed two out of the three. Yep, there's um uh, the, on the website. There's actually two out of three or one out of three. So sometimes right. they'll they'll pass some of it. So Baby Driver did fail. Um, just only got one. The two female characters that are in the film, the both obviously the don't talk to each it's other. John Hamm's girlfriend, isn't it? As well, the other one. Yep. Um, I can't remember what she's called. Um, and uh, the the only the the both romantic interests and the don't progress this the plot in any way apart from baby drivers um kind of but they never talk to each other and they're just romantic interests yeah so they pretty much fail um everything um guardians of the galaxy 2 what do you think it's got to fail isn't it no i, I oh no they've I, got that character the, ne- ne- what, what's ne- it called? nebula and uh, the green one talk to each other Gamora. about the plot well, there must Gamora's the first a, one that passed. I don't know about the second one, though. I think the first one passed you right, and the second one possibly didn't. I'm going to say that the, the second one I'm going to say got failed. two out of three. I think it failed. Um, they both passed. All right. Yes. Um, so I'll, I'll, I know more information about the second one. So Get in within there. The, Marvel do it quite well. There's lots of female characters, and they're all seen as like heroes. Yeah. They're not like there to support the males. No, if, the only reason I said that because in the second one she was a little interest to to watch yes, his face, she wasn't was. she? Yeah. Um, but. You know, you got Gamora in the second one. You got Gamora, Nebula, uh, Mantis. They're all strong oh, characters. Mantis, yeah. Yeah. She all was strong char- yeah. And they all talk to each other in, you know... They're, all way. they're not just talking about Chris Pratt. No, they're, they're there to help the story. And yeah. they're really, really strong characters. And Marvel do this very, very well. Yeah. There's a few films that haven't, like Thor, because there's only one female character in that, pretty yeah. much. Um, so, right, uh, next one, Lord of the Rings. So this is the, just the trilogy. Yeah, that passes, I would say. Well, let's have a think. Lord of the Rings. You've got the no. Elf, I think it girl. failed. I, I, obviously, we've got strong female characters in it, but I don't think any female characters talk to any other female characters right. and therefore progress the story. Yep. Like, like Arwen only talks to Aragorn, yep. and the witch woman only talks to Frodo. Yep. So it does yeah. fail. All of them fail. Um. So much. The, but saying the, this. Gandalf, technically not a man. <laughs> the Balrog of Morgoth, technically not a man. I mean, True, yeah. do they have to clearly be female? Yes, I All think right, so. All right, that's... Um, I otherwise, mean, this test is... Uh, <laughs> so, Lord of the Rings, um, the first one, not so much. Second one, not so much. Third one, a little bit, because um, the the female characters do help progress the story. Like Eowyn yep. kills the Witch King. Yep, um, so they are strong characters, but... It's mainly, but it's the witch it's, king, yeah, not the witch queen. Yeah, and the most every main character in this is a male. Is a male. <laughs> there's no, yeah. there's pretty much no females in that film. Um, American Beauty, fail. No, they talk to each other, don't they, in the bedroom? About I assume that is talking about life, aren't they? Yep, just yeah, talking about so, life. The, yeah. the teenagers are. Yeah, um, a they, film like they do that. a film like this, American Beauty, which is all about. Um, 
kind of introspection. The, yeah, the male point of view and him going through this. It's not, it does actually pass. Yeah. All oh, right, I the two young ones yeah. speaking to each other. Yeah. Right, um, Die Hard. There's only the wife, and she she does pass progress the story. I don't know if she talks to any of the women though. Are there any women in? Uh... Oh no, she talks to some character. Yeah, they do, it does. It does. It does pass. Yeah, because there's loads hey. of women in the uh, in the room and yep. they're chatting to each other. The way it actually does is. Well, people say it kind of does because the mother is uh, is talking to the daughter on the phone, uh-huh. but they're actually talking about when the father's going to come home. All right, so it's a bit sketchy. So it fails there. Kind of, it fails there just about, but they're still they're talking talk about, about the something else. Yeah. Right. Um, back to the Future. Hmm. This is good podcasting thinking, isn't it? I don't think um, it passes all three. You're perfectly correct. So um, it passes two out you've of the got, three. You've got the mom. Yep. Who does she... The talk she talked to. to. Um, there's the two women in the film. Well, the, mo- the mother, the mother and her the family yep. obviously talk to each other. Yep. But, but they only ever talk about Marty. Marty, that's that's correct. Um, it's all about Marty in this film, so yeah. it doesn't. Um, well, it's a film about Marty, isn't it? Yeah. Um, last one I'm going to do is Groundhog Day. Um, I'd like to say it. Mm, no, it, no, it can't because it, it's all about the one character. And it's everyone from his his perspective. Yeah. So maybe like the producer woman, I don't remember what her name is, yeah. talked to like some the, other person. The, the love interest, right? I think it was only ever to talk yeah. about so, uh, Mr. Groundhog Day, I forget his name. Yeah, <laughs> two out of three, and they do talk about him. Right. So the right. field, I think probably the last one is one of the most important ones. So the conversation between, um, between the two women and what it's about. Right. Because if it's about a man, then it's kind of... The, the scene is the same way. Yeah. That's the that's the one that really can help the character grow and help the, the story progress. And if it's just talking about oh, the man, yeah. you know, okay, well, what's the point? Type yeah. thing. So it's about what they do. Like we definitely, this podcast definitely fails the Bechdel <laughs> yeah, test. It definitely does. God. This is not to say these films are bad. The ones I feel, it's just, uh, like it says, it's an, ra- an equal amount of representation yep. and of real yep. unique characters. Um, What's been happening with this test as well? People have been making other tests. So you've got um, I can't remember them now. So for for different um, like ethnicities and uh, not okay. like genres, and, yeah. you know. Um, so the, with everything going on in Hollywood, I think this is trying to be applied more. You know, sometimes a story does need the woman, the two women talking about the man. Sometimes, you yeah. know, it has to. Um, but at, you know, this was 1985, and you know, it's still being applied now. You can actually go onto the website and look at the films that people talk about. Um, one of them that I didn't mention on this was The Choir Place, <laughs> which is like, well, they just don't talk to each other anyway, don't they? Like, oh. <laughs> so it's kind of like, but, um, <laughs> even, though, even though they do, Emily Blunt and her daughter clearly talk, but sign and... They don't... Pro- they, talk, they, they do talk to each other in that. No, it's about a, dying. He's, ma- he's making a joke. No, no, because it's sign language. Yeah, it's sign language. No, the, I get that, but are you saying it doesn't or does pass the It bitch? doesn't. I think it does. Well, this is the argument. No, on, on a website. technicality. No, I know that. So, <laughs> yes. On a technicality. And we all agree it does. Yeah, right, because okay. they're the two strongest What's people. What's another film end? that does then? I suppose I was thinking like Mad There's Max, that's a strong. Breakfast Club does. Breakfast Club definitely does. Good segue into. Um, <laughs> is it? Oh, yeah, because you don't want to. Oh, sorry, it's really, really trivia this week then. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I've got a list of some of these. So, like, so the Quiet Place does, uh, Ant Man and the Wasp apparently does, which most films do nowadays because they're making more of an effort. Yeah, yeah. you know, things like Deadpool two don't, but you know, that's just what that type of film is. Um, Solo doesn't. 
Star Wars story. Right. There's there's literally one woman in that, um, which is really strange when you think about. It. But the the newer Star Wars films have obviously with Rey being the main character. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's about her finding out who she is. Yeah. Um, the Dark Tower, which I haven't seen, doesn't. The Darkest Hour doesn't. Um, but again, that's mainly about because it's about Winston Churchill. Uh, Dunkirk doesn't, but there's no female. Well, I that. suppose that's kind of one where should we let it off because it's about World War Two and yeah, only men were in the war, weren't yeah. they? Or mm-hmm. or you know, fighting with guns at least. Yeah. for the most part. Um, yeah, there's a bunch on the website. If you go to lebechteltest.com, you can have a look and you look at people's comments because people are like kind of arguing and going, oh, right. "You sure that's a technicality?" Right. Technically, so um, yeah. it's I didn't know about this test and it's. Just kind of something to think about, isn't it? So, yeah. Uh, that's the end of... News and views. Nah, nah, nah. News and views. Nah, nah, nah. Okay, we're moving on to... Haven't seen that. Haven't seen it. We're talking about uh, The Breakfast Club. <laughs> Whenever I hear this, I just think of like a fist pump in the air, freeze frame shot. This song gets me right in the feels every time. <laughs> okay, so The Breakfast Club is a 1985 American comedy drama film written, produced, and directed by John Hughes. It stars a bunch of people. It stars Emilio Estevez, Anthony Michael Hall, Judd Nelson, Molly Ringwald, and Ali Sheedy as teenagers from different high school cliques, cliques who spend a Saturday uh, in detention with their strict assistant principal. The film, as I said, was released in 1985. Um, it received quite a lot of critical acclaim at the time. Became like a, a, a classic instantly and earned fifty-one million dollars, and it was made on a budget of one million. That's is pretty good. That's yeah. quite a bit, that. And it's often acclaimed as one of the greatest high school films of all time, as one as as well as one of Hughes' most memorable and recognised works. And the the this these group of actors that I said before um, were in a lot of films together around about this time um, particularly in John Hughes films and they were called the Brat Pack oh really? yeah so that's my little spiel there um, <laughs> as everyone <laughs> it just ruined that with that <laughs> that's my little spiel there <laughs> alright uh, so, so I've, this is one of my favourite films as a teenager yep. um, I related very heavily to it so I was excited to watch you this you need to put podcast. your sunglasses on I brought some glasses. Yeah, Christian's brought his wayfarers. But he's also got the same coloured shirt as that. Uh, the ben- the Bender. As Bender uh, wears. Literally, it's the same shirt, but the sleeves are on. This was unintentional this week. <laughs> oh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Tell yourself that. So you've you've seen this loads, I imagine, yeah, K-Dog. Yeah. What were you, Rob? How many times have you seen this? I've seen it about this? three, four times. Okay. Yeah. This is only my second time seeing this film. Oh. First time I saw it um, was only a couple of years ago. And I was in my early 20s at the time, and I thought, maybe I'm not going to relate it just as much. The first time I watched it, like, that ending bit got us right in the feels. Mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting to feel so much from this movie. Interesting. And then I watched it last night, and again, the exact same moment when obviously the song comes back on. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how's, how's this happening anyways again? Like, how can I relate to these people so much? And I think that's, Probably the one thing above everything else that I like so much about this movie is how relatable all these characters are and how similar they all are together. But that's my little spiel. <laughs> Shall I do my spiel? Yeah, go on then. Um, like I said, I've seen this a couple of times. 
and like I said, at the end it does get to you, and I do like how the characters um, all come together. I think it's such a simple way to make a film, and they have with a million pound as well, they can achieve it like this because mm-hmm. they've got one location. Um, I'm not too. I'm just trying to find out how long it take, took the shot. I'll find that in the next couple of minutes. But I think it was relatively fast. Yeah, I yeah. can imagine it was. Um, just the coverage around the room, and that's that's all you need. Um, with the characters as well, you know, you got. I like how you've got a different different from every kind of the archetypes the the high school archetypes and the what brings all that together is when they're going are you going to speak to us on monday down the hall and they say no and it's it's true because it's that was a big moment in the film yeah that's definitely a big moment i do think some moments kind of just miss and pass by some scenes don't connect um and i just i think some of them were just like this is a really good scene we'll put that in and the next scene this is a really good scene we'll put that in and sometimes they don't connect and join I think but, there's a lot of scenes that were cut out of this. Yeah, I imagine that the, the, they did shoot shoot more. There was um, a lot of like dream sequence stuff that they cut right. out of the film. So uh-huh. there was, a, I think, you know, when they're all asleep mm-hmm. at some point, I think each person dreamt about oh, a glad, different universe. I'm glad they cut that out. Yeah, I'm glad they... Uh, and like what it would be like in 30 years time with all the different people. Mm-hmm. That was some the, part of the major things that the... It was almost three hours, I think. And then obviously they cut it down out. What is it like? Ninety minutes. Ninety minutes. It's quite yeah, short. Quite quite short. Uh, one hour thirty-seven. Right. Um, so yeah, just there's there's one moment in the film where um, what's the bully character Bender. called Bender and the jock Adam Anthony Anthony Adam Adam Anthony? Andrew Adam, Andrew. Andrew. Um, you know Bender goes off pretty much crying and it's quite a hard scene. Like you know he's talked he just talked about his dad about where he gets beaten now he doesn't want to sit with him. But then in the next scene, they're all running down the corridor with each other. And I was like, okay, but where's the connection? That's just the temporal nature of teenagers. Yeah, it? it is. It is. I'd, it's just, it was like watching this again and like, I suppose, analysing it going, you know, that was a such emotional scene. And it is good that we go up to a one where it's now we're a bit lighthearted and things well, like there's that. Well, so. there's a, a wide range of emotions that take place in these eight hours. Yeah. Uh, from a filmmaker point of view, it's probably hard to, to connect them all mm-hmm. and make it more fluid yeah, than it is. Yeah, and I suppose you, with kind of missing those gaps, it's like, well, you have to because... We have to show eight hours pass in 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 an hour and a half. Um, I do think some things were. Uh, I mean, I like the dancing stuff, and I that like fun. I like the wh- whistling stuff. But I feel like it's um, it's put in there because this is a cool idea, more about than you know, this is helping the story, which is not so necessarily the, the a bad my, thing. I don't know if so, I f- how I feel about it, but yeah. So what I read about the film was that. All teen films like this had a particular form, form formula back then. Mm-hmm. Um, most teen films come from films like Porky's. You know that one? It's like classic American high school film where there's like, um, I don't know, you know, high school shindigs Probably. and lots, hey of, lots of sex yeah. and lots mm-hmm. of clicks and lots of, yeah, that what you'd expect. Probably Mean Girls. Yeah. And then this film came along, this script, which John Hughes wrote, which was more of a character film, right? Mm-hmm. Where you got to know the characters and it broke down all these stereotypes um, and you come away thinking, you know, with more well-rounded characters. And so that's why it was such a big deal at the time. And Molly Ringwald uh, signed up to that script. Mm-hmm. And then I think producers got their hands on it and they were like, we need to add more sex in here. We need to add all this, like, things that people like, you know? Um, and then it became, like, this completely different thing to a point where Molly Ringwald said she didn't really, it's not the film she signed up to do. Mm-hmm. And then her, John Hughes got all the five kids sat in a room and brought all of these variations of the script in and together, collaboratively, they wrote this final piece. That's cool. Uh, which I thought that might be why there's like bits of 
bits of everything. Bits of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that's a really cool way of writing something like this, particularly yeah. if you're writing a film for teenagers. Get the teenagers involved. Get yeah. them to see what ideas mm-hmm. they want to portray and what, want to be involved what, in, especially if you're a 35-year-old guy that hasn't been to high school in 20 it, years. The oldest was, he was 26 when he made this. Yeah, it's Bendy, wasn't Bendy. He, was, yeah, um, he was actually 26. He was 26, but the rest of them were young. Yeah. Particularly Molly Ringwald, which is 15 or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm glad they didn't go down the studio route and it had to be too racy because then like it is just like everything else yeah. and it would have just passed by. But you can see the the um, why you know studios would want to do that if it's a tried and tested method of getting people mm-hmm. to watch the film. Yeah. So yeah, that might be why the scene, some of the scenes don't connect. I don't know. Should we start on the writing then? What do you think yeah. of the overall story here? So the story. So it relays the stories of a set of five high school students from different social backgrounds and different um, types of people and then they spend a Saturday afternoon together in detention and then as the film progresses we learn more about them yeah mm-hmm. yeah and it's it is just a character film it's weird like the, there isn't a journey in this film each one not, has their not own. so much as like there's the 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 collectively together and they go from point A to point B and there's things in the way it's more like point A and point B is the stereotypical version of how each other perceives one another and then point b is when they finally perceive each other as the same but we all have the same problems we're going on the same journey as the characters in the film so we are introduced to these characters as the stereotypes that we know right so and we get that from the first time we see all them but when we we get introduced them by the way they um, interact with their parents or the way they don't interact with their parents right Mm -hmm. so they're all come out of a car except bender who walks along Mm -hmm. um, and we go all right that's the that's the jock look he's talking to his dad about yeah he's got a letterman jacket on yeah that's that's he's a brute there's that's the princess she's coming out of a bmw you know that's the there's the weirdo that doesn't talk to her parents and there's bender walking along and his outfit suggests yeah i mean that and for that that sets up everything bender is as well him walking along and the film's premise is just to break down these stereotypes over the yeah. course of an hour and a half. So I think structurally that's a really good premise. It's very simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's and almost we, in terms of its plot structure is like inside out. Yeah. We're not saying these people evolve over time from something that they're doing. They're, evol- they're not evolving at all. They already are these people in the evolution is everyone else finally starts to understand it. So rather than building this person up into someone else, we're breaking down the shield to reveal yeah. who they are so it's almost going the opposite way which is really interesting and i went on that journey so i you know i think you're supposed to go into this film relating to one character so who two, would you be well the nerd <laughs> would you <laughs> i think i'd be a mix between the nerd and the 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 weird girl at the back you would like, be in between uh, that is it brian no brian and what's what's i would it? probably be the word. allison oh, allison, allison yeah. i'll be a mix between him and allison but then yeah like i said as the film goes on you kind of relate to every one of them in a different way mm. yeah uh which I mean, is which so is great. Who would you when you would be rich? Honestly, right. I was never really into sports. I wasn't like a, a cool criminal, pure druggy guy. Um I wasn't clever enough to be a nerd. You weren't the prom I certainly queen. wasn't a princess. <laughs> and I had I, I was definitely more of an in-betweener than a total freak. So You were a drifter. I drifted Honestly, in and out. I yeah. was non existent. You know one of the lines so where he says bit- you're just not important. Like yeah. if if you went away and nothing would happen. I would be that person. Mm. I'm the person that was in there in the room with all of them and no one even noticed. <laughs> like you're, you're like at the top hiding and just I, listening and yeah. yeah. Yeah, I would say I was very similar to that. Cause I, I, yeah, I was, I was a bit of a floater as well. 
I knew a bit. Of, the I, nerd. Don't but, be silly. So what I was, was like saying king, is, I was like king of the nerds. We're yeah. all in between us. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. I said I wasn't clever enough to call myself a geek. I was probably a nerd. I was, I was in the video I was, games. I that. was in the chess club. So. <laughs> oh my god. Yes, I went. Oh, when everyone at dinner, when everyone at dinner time used to go out and play football, I would go to the library and play Star Wars chess. All right, you're definitely, you're definitely <laughs> Brian then. Yep, yeah, definitely Brian. Um, yeah, that, I mean, in terms of writing, uh, what I love about this film is the whole self discovery thing and the fact that they all they all start off in their own corner and by the end of it, everyone comes together. And I think that that scene where they all open up about the parents and mm. about why they're there and about why they don't like the parents. They've all got their slightly different reasons, but they can all empathise with each other. Yeah. Out of everything, that's probably the thing that I love the most about this film is, is like, they really do paint a picture when they're giving their anecdotes to each other. And what also helps is the fact that we all knew someone who was slightly like that at school. Mm. So we can uh, put on like a helmet of like, oh, that is that person. Oh, he's just like thingy from school. And we just understand straight away exactly what this person's like. And maybe sometimes at school we saw some of the the bullies or the jocks or something like that. And I imagine I probably thought a very one-dimensional version of them. But then when you watch this and you're like, all right, these, everyone is a real person. Everyone has their own troubles and problems. And I do too. And, you know, maybe we can all just get along with each other and, you know, give each other a little bit of support. (laughs) But if you see so me, that's on, my spiel. I'm, I'm, I mean, <laughs> but if you see me on Monday, don't talk, don't yeah. talk to me. That was another really good point in the writing because that yeah. was like, yeah, you know, we're all we're all really good friends now, and we've all experienced this this really weird, fun, and emotional day. But at the end of it, we're all going back to normal life, and we just need to admit that we're not going to be friends with each other anymore. Yeah. But then they do start to admit it. Uh, Brian and Alison, especially, say like, you know, would you do that in front of your friends? And she says. I don't have any friends and the, the them two which what you would consider at the beginning the two weakest characters you know physically and uh, social in their status. own exactly they're definitely the two strongest characters because mm-hmm, yeah. it's the other characters that are weak because they're, well, they're, they're the least they're all hypocritical but they're the least hypocritical yeah um, because they just are who they are right they're not trying to be someone else to fit in yeah yeah, I think one thing that really helps with this as well, which is done so naturally, and what does bring them together. Yes, it's the experiences that they talk about, but they're just kids. Yeah, what they do, like in action, you know, running down the hallway, um, you know, then they end up going smoking and they're all dancing. They they're still like, even though you know the the prom queen would never be seen doing this with them in this closed environment, you know, I just want to kind of open up and unwind, and yeah. I'm allowed to do it because. I'm still just a teenager. Because the doors are closed. Yeah. yeah, I'm allowed to have fun. I mean, Bender does push them all in that direction yeah. to open up. I think he is the key to, to this. If you didn't have him in there, there would just be... The they would have just sat. Yeah. sat. Yeah. Antagonist, yeah, he yeah. antagonises yeah. the group. Yeah. Yeah, He's definitely. the one pulling the strings. Moves this plot forward. I mean, he does jump at the end and get a freeze frame of the film, which I've completely forgot about. Just, <laughs> uh, that, that was the 80s. Oh, I was going to say, oh yeah, I was going to say, because I haven't seen that, the film in about five six years uh the i watched it in a different way like probably when i watched it as a teenager i related to them as a teenagers right but now i'm looking at them as i'm not an adult i would say I am. Are, you, <laughs> are you looking at them from a nostalgic oh, point of view they i know i'm like oh they are kids 
you know right. there's the flashes of like these kids these are young people that are acting in quite an emotional way because the teenagers that's what they're supposed to do yeah and i found myself relating more to the the teacher i never give a second oh, really? th- and i never give, a, never give a second thought to the teachers when i was watching it as a teenager but now watching See, you it, all grown up because i didn't get any of that i still refer I back wouldn't to have related to the teacher he's a, no he's a really no, he's a really good Chris, character Chris, oh yeah christian could relate to the teacher i can see that he's very much uh what, you're going to say something insulting now, aren't you? No, no, I'm not. I just, <laughs> you know, you're very, you know, grown up and old. Even though I'm the oldest here. <laughs> Mature. Mature, yeah. Yeah. No, see, I still think to the kids. No, like, Christian, the first few layers of Christian is mature and sophisticated oh, yeah, and, you know, he's he dresses well and, he, you know, he's got really good hair. Can we just admit Christian's got really good hair? But then when you start peeling him back, he's just a divvy like the rest oh, of yeah, us. <laughs> and as soon as we peel that back and he's aware of his own diviness, he loves to be a divvy with everyone if else. If people who don't know what divvy means, it's just silly. So, yeah, silly? yeah. No, that's, like, that's, that's, that's actually incorrect. It's like, it's, <laughs> it's like growing old, but not growing up. If his bosses listen to this, then it's he's, he's, he's grown up. But yeah, if his friends are listening to this, he's, he's like a divvy like them, all of us. Right, let's get back on. So the teacher, right, is a good... Because he's just... He's like everyone else, right? He's still trapped in a high school, right? He doesn't yeah. want to be there. He's, he's trying his best and he's failing, right, to relate to these kids. And he's got his own issues uh, that is hinted upon, right? He doesn't want to be there. Yeah, uh, uh, and the way he interacts with the, the kids, especially Bender, um, is 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 probably his meaning. He means well. I I think I believe that, but is the way he goes about it isn't, I isn't think, the best. Yeah, I think he's 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 definitely got a. Um, he no longer a, tolerates power, them. He's more power hungry as well. I think. But yeah, he's the same as got the same issue as Bender, right? Bender wants to assert himself. He wants to wants to have the power and the authority of it in the room, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why he acts the way he does. Uh, but the teacher does the exact same, right? And he like. Have you seen The Sopranos? Uh, no. There's a scene in The Sopranos where Tony Soprano wants, because he's the boss, he's the he's the um, the Don. Um, he wants to assert his uh, position, and he goes and picks the biggest guy in the room and just pounds him. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> he does what? <laughs> he beats him up. Oh, right. But right. It's, it's that. <laughs> it's a series. It's that same thing, right? The head teacher goes in the room and just like starts um, verbally assaulting yeah. Bender yeah. to assert his dominance like I'm in charge here he's, I'm the grown he's up he's trying right? to uh, fill up his I mean, self esteem bar yeah. again yeah so I mean so my teachers at school were very much like this um, but it was normally the PE ones because um, yeah they've got a weird dominance thing haven't they PE teachers yeah because you know the the were athletes and they were probably the high school jock we don't call them that yeah. in, in England, but that's what they would have been in their school because they were this, they were athlete, you know, they were seen. And now, and it's they, the stereotype that the PE teacher or the gym teacher yeah. is the is like the, the, the like the like the rubbish role yeah. of teachers. Like yeah. if you can't and do it, teach, if you can't teach, teach gym. Teach gym. gym yeah. Um, so I, I I had similar teachers like that who like PE and gym like teachers. You're not good enough to yeah. be an athlete. So yeah. what you'll do is you'll teach fat kids how to, how to not be fat yeah. anymore. And they just wanted to be power hungry. Yeah. And the, they were the lads still from school. And, and they would college. get on with the I other hate, lads uh, that I were hate, in school. I hated teachers that wanted to be one of the lads. Uh, yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah. But he, uh, this character doesn't. He just he kind of hates them all. And I think yeah. he... See, I don't even think he likes his job. He just he's likes the power of power he's, he's yeah. sick of all these kids and he just... Really I mean, he's in school on a Saturday, so... Is, I think it's, it's his moment of like peak is obviously when he deliberately tries to get Ben that to punch him mm-hmm. and he he leaves that downfall, situation yeah. thinking that he won and 
Bender completely won that. And that that's like, that is the t- the total turn of the film where the kids are, are the clever, sophisticated ones. You know, he always felt like he was the dominant force. But Bender was the one who decided, I'm not going to punch you because I'm not going to give you what you want. And then after that, like the film turned on its head and full stop, spiel. <laughs> that's a really good scene for me because you all we've seen of Bender to date to, until that point is that kind of macho um, egotistical dominant yeah. kind of idiot really not mm-hmm. an idiot but like he's uh, upsetting the establishment and causing chaos just for the sake of it because he's just having a bit of fun Yeah. Um, whereas that scene you see in his face the kid in him Yeah. you see yeah. oh this is a kid what is this teacher doing talking to this kid this way and locking them um, in a cupboard. And you can see, it, there's, what's really good about this film, probably talk about in cinematography, is the reaction shots. Mm-hmm. There's lots of reaction shots, lots of close-ups, lots of non-verbal dialogue. Uh, and we read a lot about these characters because of what they, just how their face is, right? And how they're reacting to what's going on around them. But that scene where Bender's just, it just, he goes pale and he doesn't know how to react. And you go, oh, this is a kid here. Yeah. So I like that scene for that reason. Uh, One more thing to bring up on, um, which I really like in terms of the writing, is... Almost like it's a scene of like physical gags um, to show the different types of families that they are. Obviously, we've got the different archetypes and we understand what they're like in the personality. But from like a um, socioeconomic standpoint, we also gain in the uh, lunchtime scene. Yeah, so that's a good point. Bender yeah. doesn't have any food. Mm-hmm. Um she she, she's got Claire, a, Claire has Claire sushi. Has sushi, sushi yeah. obviously, like yeah. this overly sophisticated family. Privileged. Privileged, yeah. What we would right. call a day. Uh, with Andrew, we've just loads of sandwiches. Because <laughs> yeah. he's Bulgan. Because he's Bulgan, yeah. And then with Brian, it's. I thought that scene the, with Brian the, the crust, was amazing. The, the crust yeah, <laughs> PB&J, you've got all the food groups yeah. here. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what was it? What was it towards the end? He was like, oh. Um, does your dad, did, did your mother marry Mr. Rogers yeah. or Mr. Johnson? Yeah. And then like that sort of very much paints the whole uh, perfect family. Well, and then at that point- in, It feeds in the stereotypes. Yeah. And yeah. then we want to learn more about Brian's weaknesses after that point. And it's weird that his reason for being under tension is probably a little bit more severe than everyone else's. Yeah. Because he oh, did yeah. physical damage. There's a great line where Bender goes- Oh, what, what was the line where he goes like you've got a perfect family um, oh, I can't, I'll comment it was something about expectations his parents expect too much of him right and then his reply is yeah that's the problem or something like yeah. that right. and then and like that's his problem like yeah. that's still you from your perspective that's that's a, a, a good positive. thing a positive yeah. thing but from him it's a lot of pressure and yeah. because, that, because, that one line yeah, that's the problem that, is then brilliant. it's paid off when he does explain about yeah. why yeah, he's yeah. there so should we go in a direction then yeah. Should we start off with character performance? Oh, I thought they were all brilliant. I really did. I can't really fault them. No. I mean, it's a obviously it sits there right in the middle of the eighties, and I think the only the only negative thing, which is very very little, would be Emilio Estevez being the jock, and like so, you know he's a bit brutish and like it can't quite pull it off to begin with. Well, but he I was think... he was originally cast for a long time as Bender. Right, okay. Yeah. There's a couple of guys who could have been Bender. Um, so John Cusack. John time, Cusack. He was, he, was he, was, he was actually cast as well mm-hmm. and started doing readings and mm-hmm. was going to be playing the film. But I think they even filmed some stuff. Mm-hmm. And then John Hughes was just like, he's just not dangerous enough. He's yeah. just a bit too... Mm-hmm. 
Well, talking about dangerous enough, also considered was <laughs> Nicholas Cage. Cage. Yeah, Heard about that. he could have done it. He would have been a good bender. Oh, it would have been a completely different film, yeah, but I think it could have been. Could have been. It could have been. Could have been good. Could have been. Uh, but that's the only fault I've got in terms of character performance. I really can't fault anything else. Apart from um, Molly Ringwald looked at the camera once. Yeah, <laughs> really? she did. Yeah, did you <laughs> notice that as no, well? No, I didn't I notice I pulled this out. Um, I was like, whoa, all this, right. This is probably not character development. Uh, no, it will be, it'll be character development. It's not kind of direction. It's kind of the one thing that I, I, I didn't like, and it's kind of similar to what we talked about earlier with the Bechdel test is, um, so you've got Andrew and, is it Alison? You know, mm-hmm. she fully changes her appearance and then they leave together with each other and it, it makes it sad because that's what she needed to do she needed to become someone completely that's, different that's, I, I didn't like that part yeah, yeah. I, I, but I suppose that is you know that is uh, school life I think I read I read that scene slightly differently it didn't feel like she transformed herself she got it felt like me like she finally drew the curtains and became yeah. herself well because so she thing, opened up I suppose the line was he could see her face or something like that, yeah, wasn't it? I mean, so that symbolises that she's got the confidence to, yeah. to take her fa- hair out of her face and it, show who she is. If you do if you do watch the film really carefully, you do see looks between them. There's a lot of like uh, close-ups between them. Um, yeah. So it's kind of, he can see her, but he can't see, like you said, that line, you know, through through the curtains of her, of her face. Now he can. But it, it, I suppose it does send a message as well about she what... Velmed them. Yeah, about what, you know, schools like and stuff. You've got to kind of look like this to get noticed and if you don't, yeah. no, no one will. And they're very opposite people or the groups of people that they hang out with. But even he says he's like, he hates kind of who he is. Yeah. Like, he hates being the jock. He hates he hates all of that. He's just doing it for his, his dad and that's the, the reason why he was he was in detention anyway, so... Cool. Cinematography? Direction. Um, do you have anything more on direction? Well, I was going to say, I don't know if this will fit in direction or not, but uh, it might be set design. I'll just start talking. So the way, the way they are sitting in the room tells you a lot about who they are as characters as well. Do you know how you're talking about the sandwiches and all that kind of non-verbal stuff? Yeah. So the way they are sitting tells you everything you need to know about the characters. So Claire comes in, was the first person to come into the room. She sits at the front row. So she's not ashamed. She wants to be seen. She's, you know, she's a, quite a confident person. And then um, Anthony comes in second, joins her at the front row because he's Andrew. Ups- Andrew. I think it's Anthony. Andrew. 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 Yeah. Oh yeah, Anthony's the other one, isn't it? He's the the the, the actor who played uh, Brian. Anthony Michael Hall. <laughs> yeah. Should we? Um, let's just call him the jock. Yeah, the jock comes in second. He's on the same social level as um, Claire. We understand that straight away. And she he sits at the front row. He joins her in the front row with the with with the chair separating them. Yeah. Because you know he's not that close to her, but he's he still wants to be seen, wants to be confident in the front row. Then um, Brian comes in, sits a few rows back, um, but quite close to them because he still wants to be like be near them on their side. Yeah. yeah. On their side and wants to like you know get involved. And then um, Bender comes in. And like intimidates Brian out of his chair and gets him to move it again. That just tells you who, because um, Brenda is a person he wants to sit next to the popular people and just mess with them. Yeah. And then um, Alice is it's his torrid position. And then Allison comes in, sits at the back. She doesn't want to be there. She doesn't want to be seen. She wants to be invisible. She and she even turns turns her back away from everyone yeah. the whole time. She doesn't so, sit forward. She sits to the side. So that that twenty seconds of them entering the room mm-hmm. tells you so much about who these characters are in a non-verbal way. And I just think mm-hmm. it's brilliant direction and writing that. That you can do that. Yeah, I mean, with that as well, with her, Alison at the end, you know, she doesn't need to be there. She just, she didn't have anything else to do. So yeah. it's all the front for her to, you know, even just be around people like that. It's, but even so, she's sitting back. And then I've just thought, at the end, they're all sitting around together in a circle. Yep. Same social level. 
mm-hmm. for a very brief time. Yeah. Class. Good, that, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that is the end of the focus <laughs> club right there. No. Um, Should we go to cinematography? I mean, yeah. like you said earlier, the, the coverage is really well on this. You get um, you get looks, you get close-ups. Um, obviously, I th- this, I imagine it was shot very quickly because they didn't really add, I'm looking at lots of behind-the-scenes footage here, and they didn't really add too much more light. It's a lot um, of artificial light, though, in this. There's, yeah. no, there's no hardly any shadows. I, yeah. I can't remember even seeing a, seeing a shadow. You know Lots what? of lamps and lights. But yeah. I suppose when it's spot tall or whatever they are. The library. The library yeah. I mean, everything's set up so you can shoot in any direction as well. Um, so I can imagine this went really quick. Um, I'm on set as well. Everyone looks quite relaxed. Everyone's sitting on the sofas and things like that. Even when he's directing them, he's sitting on the floor because it's carpeted. Yeah. And imagine it was a really, uh, like, chilled out it's like a sand, a sandbox sort of shoot yeah it wasn't it wasn't drilled it was you know play in the space have some fun mm-hmm. um supposedly they shot it in sequence as well which That's probably cool. helps yeah. towards oh, all emotion, the characters yeah. becoming uh growing up things like that it was filmed at eye level mm-hmm. um yeah. which I, I we want to be in with the characters right we're talking to these people directly you want to relate yeah. to them so i suppose doing it at an eye level does it that does that we're not looking up or down at them we're in with them in the room mm-hmm. in detention being bored yeah that's that's what it's all yeah. about and even the shot types and everything it's it is quite basic but for it's this, very basic it, it but you get you get the wide with all of them in the room then you get really close-ups don't yeah. you there's yeah. not a lot of di- i suppose no. in terms of cinematography the blocking is quite important there you know uh, you've got them sitting on either side, but everyone's visible in a wide. And even when they're sitting around in a circle, it's not like my back is towards anyone because they've made the two people at the end, I can't remember which one it is, they sort of lie down on their own elbow so they're still facing the front while mm. pointing, pointing the other way, which is clever. Mm-hmm. So there was a moment, um, I haven't researched this, I was going to ask you if they broke the 180 rule. Yeah, they did. Right, oh. so the, the thing I noticed, tell me if this is tri- right or not. Do you know when, um, what's it called? Anthony? No, he's not called Anthony. Andrew. Brian. <laughs> the jock. No, the jock. No, when he does his big emotional spiel, spiel at the end. Yeah. Where he talks about, yeah, um, where he dude. talks about uh, uh, taping up the guy's um, ass cracks. And, but it takes him a good while to do this. And it's all one shot because the camera starts on his left side. No, it starts on, yeah, the camera starts on his left side. And then as the story progresses. Goes behind the pillars. He goes behind the pillars very slowly, moves around and around and around and around. Then when he finishes story and he's had his transformation, uh, the camera is suddenly on his other side of his face. Um, and it's just it's the one eighty in real time. Yeah. There's, there's a couple of is that. Is that the one eighty room? That would be, that would be changing the one eighty. That's Which not is breaking fine. it. That's, that's fine. But they did break the one eighty right at the beginning of the film. Um, you know, we talked about there's a lot of reaction shots between them looking at each other. There was a shot between um, nerd and princess where they were both looking in the same direction, yet they were looking at each other. Yeah. Because okay. they have obviously used a reaction shot where different. Uh, they're supposed to be looking at someone else. Mm-hmm. And if they were looking both in the same way, then they wouldn't be looking at each other. Yep. Yeah. So um, that threw us off. But I think I think there's a, a little bit um, in that scene as well when he all, all doing the emotional. I don't. It's not necessarily breaking the one eighty. It's just the eye line is kind of all over the place. But they might just be looking at the person who's not speaking to just be like you know. But as we've discussed in so, the podcast before, right? When you break the one eighty or you you change it, it's because of a. A character development or a change in the story yeah. or something that's happened yeah. that is visualized that way mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. there's probably a lot in that a lot of shifts in those emotional scenes well as the camera sort of orbits around 
so does the 180. There's always a line there, and if 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 the camera is moving, the line can move as well. If it if it crosses mm. that path, I mean, breaking it is a different thing altogether. Because if you deliberately break it, you're deliberately trying to disorientate the audience. I don't think they ever deliberately try to break it. But like you say, when they're all looking at each yeah. other, especially when they're I didn't in the feel like it was out the out yeah. of place. Because like you say, like the there could be like a jock speaking, and then. Nerd is looking, but he might not be looking at Jock. He yeah. might looking at be looking at a uh, bully boy's um, reaction to it. So yeah. that, that didn't feel all that off. Um, and then obviously with this whole massive orbit with uh, the Andrew character, um, it would be very difficult to get that perfect yeah, all the time. It would be, yeah, it? especially in the circle. But yeah, yeah, cool. Uh, what's next? Editing, I think. Editing. Visual slash special effects. The only special effects. Which I really liked was right at the beginning, with the glass smash to the first <laughs> shot of the film. That, yeah, so well, there's cool. A, there's a second glass smash. Yeah. Oh, and he's screaming. Yeah. See, I was like, How did they do that? Why is this smash glass? What did you yeah. think of that scene then? I like the smash glass, the first smash glass. Yeah, I think where it's, it's, it's the it's titles, shattered. it's where it's got the David Bowie quote. Yeah, which oh, right, is yeah. Uh, oh. these children which you spit on mm-hmm. try are immune to your consultations or something like that. Something it's good. It's a good quote, anyway. Something that doesn't really make sense, but then it does make sense, and then you read it, and you're like, "Does this make sense?" And then it smashes. Smashes. All right, these children, which you spit on as they try to change their ways, are immune to your consultations. They're quite aware of what they're going through. He, he memorized that so when he's at a party, no, I didn't, I'm, a, I'm, a, the I'm a fan of the Bowie. I know the song. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> uh, the smash is great at the beginning. Yeah. It's very 80s, but I think it's, it, it works within there. It's the, cool, isn't it? Yeah. And if people do it now, it's a it's a homage, isn't it? Yeah. You can't do it again without being like, that's Breakfast Club. <laughs> <laughs> the second one, then. How did they do that? Uh, Tell me. How did they do it? Yeah. Uh, it would just be um, an actuator. So imagine like a, like a very short rod and it would just go whoosh, and just smash off it. You know, like the um, the it's like glass. when you're on a bus and you want to the emergency, you get the hammer and you hit the corner, and then it all smashes. Corner, kind of. Yeah. Use uh, electricity as well somehow, and then send us a short uh, fuse through, and it can just well. possibly. Yeah. Yeah. It, like I reckon it's probably the same as the way like a magician does like a, a smashed glass. There's just there'll be there'll be a um a, a very thin trough underneath where there'll be like a rod, and the rod will just go from one end. Go to the other, and yep. it'll just whip. It'll mm-hmm. just whip it. Yeah. If it whips it hard enough, it should break. Yep. Um, what do you think of that in terms of the story? Then, uh, I've got a few thoughts on it. Okay. So there's a lot of elements like that in the film where it's a very realistic film in terms of the the conversations and things. But then sometimes things like Stuff this like happen. Yeah. Like I said earlier, the kind of with the dancing, the and, dancing, and, and the glass smash, just the the whistling. The, it's like a convention. I don't know if it's because they, the people have done it afterwards yeah. but it's like oh, we have to put this whistling scene in because that's exactly what has to go in this part and I'm like it doesn't I understand the lot- whistling part from a story perspective because they've yeah. been there for so many hours and they're finally starting to enjoy each other's company mm-hmm. and they're so bored that they just start yeah. like whistling I mean, together it, and it brings them together for the first it's time it's kind of become not a cliche but not a convention somewhere in between where when you've trope. Got a trope when, you, when you've got a scene like this Gotta have them whistling, don't you? Whistling but together, yeah. They, they do a lot of things that they couldn't really do in real life. Like, they, there's a lot of destruction in that room, and they do things like smoking weed and breaking the roof and smashing yeah. things that they wouldn't get away with in real life. Um, but I think, thinking about it after, 
it's there's lots of fantasy elements, right? And this is yep. this is a film for teenagers, and it's how teenagers would want to act in a school, like, right? And get away the, with it. It's written for dream fulfillment. So it's, it's like, like dream fulfillment as well as um, everyday life, right? So I think it plays up to. I don't know, a teenager's dream, right? Everyone wants to do this. If yeah. you're stuck in detention, you'd want to smoke smoke and... Smoke know. some drugs yeah. and smash some glass. So I just think the contrast works if there's two... If it happens regularly enough, which it did, there was still like a few moments. Yeah, um, it didn't I, feel out of place. Your suspension of disbelief was yeah. still well and truly suspended. If there was just one fantasy moment, like the glass smash, you'd go, oh, why'd you put that in? Yep. But there was Apparently because there was a the, few of them. That's the one bit that John Hughes isn't happy about in the oh, film. Really? He's using it at that I scene. I didn't really like that. I, I was like, he didn't like it. What's he doing? It, it is a bit weird. It's a, almost over the top, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. at that point, the film could be like, oh, they're all they've all got superpowers. <laughs> but he, he didn't. It's just a, it just didn't need that one. It didn't need it. Yeah, really. you know, yeah. It, it just. It was funny though when he was like punching, <laughs> walking around. And, but then it's just just not referenced. So. What he should have done. Maybe it was a mistake. Maybe. Maybe he went to slam the door <clears throat> and it was supposed to smash and it didn't. It didn't go off. So they had to like press the button again. Yeah. So he just went, ah. <laughs> so, and, then, and then they thought it was like such a funny mistake that they were like, oh, this is quirky. Just Let's in, get that yeah. in. Because I feel like if that happened and I was making it, I probably would leave it in. I'd be like, it's just funny though. Oh, it's yeah, just funny. Fun. Like it's it's so wacky. It's so over the top that that is like the climax of this over the top scene. Yeah. Um. Editing. Editing. What do you think? Like, oh, well, you spoke about how some of the scenes were a bit, didn't really fit yeah, I mean, together. It's kind of, you know, something emotional happens, then we go to the next scene and then it's just, all, all, just that, jumping about. all that's forgetting about. But I suppose to help show time passing and, um, you know, with Bender pushing everyone forward and yeah. you, always, you always need them all together at the same time. So I can see that. And... You know, again, they're just having fun. But yeah. he could have just sulked for the rest of the day and not talked to them. Yeah. He's not that type of character, though. You can you can clearly tell, even when he still just wants to be involved yeah. with everything um, and making trouble. So, um, you know, everyone follows him. You know, fine. They have to, the, the, the kids. But yeah, there was just there was just a bit where this is just a scene, this is just the next scene. Yeah. Put them all together, I suppose it, it does tell. To me, it felt like that was like an anthology of the day. Yeah. yeah. So if we watched the whole eight hours... Um, there would be parts where they were just bored yeah. and they would be like, should we should we go do something? Yeah, yeah. what should we do? Oh, I think we should go run, run in the, uh, the halls. Mm-hmm. And I think we'd seen enough of the characters at that point to understand that they probably did have that conversation yeah. and just did it because yeah, they're so fine, bored. Yeah. And then like the difference the between the, the emotional scenes and then them just going on is like, it's just heightened. That's a good point. Uh, if you teenage kept, emotions. If you kept in the scenes where they're like, "Do you want to go and have a walk?" It'd be boring, right? Just yeah, get rid of it. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah. Uh, one thing I've just thought about with editing is, you know, it, it, every now and then it would cut to the clock to see what time it was. Yeah. And it, it did that thing. What happens in most like action films, you know, when there's like a bomb countdown. Yeah. Uh, and then the last ten seconds is like a minute or something. Uh, yeah. yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. What I mean? yeah. <laughs> or like in in sports films where like they have to score the next basket in the next five seconds, but like it's like takes twenty seconds to, to get to the the, yeah. the the thing. Um, it did that because it was about they were there or they were there. At what time did they get there? Seven, and it was eight hours. So that'll leave at three o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the. The camera I think it was went. eight till half three. No, I think it was seven because I was going, that was way too early for detention. So I think it was seven. Oh, yeah, because they said seven that the, the, um, the clock was set half an hour. Yeah. 20 minutes fast. fast. Yeah. So the the camera panned and it was about 20 past two. So I'm like, all right, you've got like 40 minutes left. Well, if the clock's fast, it'll be, you've still got an hour left. 
Yeah. But a lot, the bulk of the activity and the bulk of the emotional development, all those stories happen in that last hour. Yeah, right. And all of the makeover stuff, all of them getting together. I'm like, that's a lot to happen in, in, yeah. in such that a short, short, space, such of short space of time. Yeah. But I don't know, again, I'm probably being nitpicky on like what's happening. Mm-hmm. But Well, we've got our critical eyes on, so this yeah, is definitely yeah. something worth speaking uh, about. Sound design? Right, I'll tell you something. The sound design of Bender's boots. <laughs> <laughs> Just the coolest sound you're going to get a the bandana heavy, for your heavy boots, denim and like the 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 chain and the boots i'm definitely putting a bandana on my boots after today <laughs> like too right no nah, i'm not cool enough to do that i'm too much of a briar you no, you've got the shirt on not the bandana <laughs> um so we'll go straight in the soundtrack then. oh uh, what a soundtrack i'll um i'll put some some of the, I mean, it's, the songs on it's, it's 80s isn't it yeah <laughs> It's just, it's just all about nostalgia and, well, I suppose when this film came out, it was just, it wasn't nostalgia. It was just, it was just nostalgia. It was nostalgia. <laughs> it was just music. Um, we don't have, do we have films now that when the films, when a song's in a film, it just makes that song. Like, Guardians? you associated with... Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't think... Um, but was, no, that's not a modern song. This came out in the 80s, right? This Simple Minds song, I assume, came out the same year or the year or two before. The Guardian soundtrack is... 70s music 70s 80s yeah. uh, so you yeah. mean is there any music that's like written for the film that people still like yeah and then now it's nostalgic yeah that define a certain film well if the viewers sorry the listeners want to uh, comment in if they've got any uh, films I mean, that have soundtracks that are modern <laughs> you know, <laughs> that is that a weird, is that a weird, the, you know my question right yeah but the thing is at the time when this come on people were just like that, oh, that was that song I heard and it just was nothing to them so we, I think we'll have to like wait in the but whenever 10, 15 I hear, years what is this song? I don't know it's the love theme okay but when I hear Simple Minds I just think of Breakfast Club There's no, I don't think of anything else yeah true there's probably something we just can't think of it um, yeah. I'm sure like there with is Rocky yeah, I had the Tiger I think of Rocky yeah that's true um, and it was a big in the 80s because I think soundtracks was a big deal than it is now because it's more about scores and stuff now isn't it yeah whereas you, you, it's rare that you get like a song popped in the middle of a film and especially when they get written for the film yeah mm-hmm. so is there any theme tunes that are based on I don't know that's a question that we'll probably have to keep open well uh, we'll have a little bit um, um, so how would you do it differently I wouldn't I'd leave it the same yeah I think the only bit that would change is the love interest uh, you said that, Christian, didn't you? At yeah. some point, I don't like uh, the fact that uh, they get together at the end. I think it's just a cheap way of doing it, and I would probably take it out. Yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd, it's just the way she changes her appearance and things like that. Just you wouldn't get away with that now, and I don't like it. There is a film coming out. <laughs> we've already we recorded no, we've exactly what we just said, but we've had to do it again. And there's a film coming out with Amy <laughs> Schumer. Yeah, where like, bless she, you. She's not. She's not like accepted by everyone. And but then she takes a bump on her head, and then she realizes she's beautiful. She realizes that she's just beautiful and fantastic, and no one else can see it. Then she's going to try and get modeling jobs because she thinks she's this thin uh, model and stuff. And everyone's just like, everyone's slated. What so be- is this going on about? This is the worst timing for this film to come out. Yeah. So to be fair, I, I don't think anyone's actually watched the film. They just watched the trailer and reacted from that. Yeah. So I don't know if she, uh, yeah, maybe she redeems, her, redeems herself in the film, but I, I highly doubt it's it. It's kind of like Sounds that. Sounds like Mel, Shallow Hell. Oh, Mel Gibson uh, in What Women, Women Want. Want. Kind of like that. Um, we should do that on the pod. <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't think, I wouldn't, I would only change those elements in this film. I would, I would keep those elements in because the teenager and me 
really likes the fact that you know it wasn't well, like, yeah, it wasn't true, it wasn't yeah. the, the typical like good looking jock that got the got the girl it was the other guy yeah it was the, well, like, the guy guess, who's got you know he's poor and, <laughs> and, and she's he's a rebel yeah. and he's and he didn't even like try to flirt with her he was like horrible but, and i think she would just use him to say i've been with a bad lad and then that's it because that's oh, what i don't think pers- that i, I think that's what type I think, of person she is no, I think, uh, I, she's still not a nice person. Oh. Well, the there are all um, of these characters are very, very deeply flawed. They do yeah. horrible things to each other. Like some of the insults that they throw out mm. is devastating. Like Claire started off, to be fair, right? Mm. She's she's the one that you say that Bender's the antagonist, but she's, he's not really because the first thing uh, Claire says is, "I don't belong here." Mm-hmm. Like, what a bitch! Yeah, right. And then not that then like a trigger in Bender's head going, oh, "I'm just going to mess with them." Mm. So if she didn't say that and like set them off then the film would be probably very different yeah that's true um has it aged well it, it feels like an 80s film yeah so yes it's definitely in the 80s i don't think it's gonna now age it, anymore nowadays they just all be sitting on the phones for two hours yeah, hours, yeah. Would i just sad. wouldn't have turned up honestly if i was at school i'd just I, detention well, on saturday no again it <laughs> says it go. says a lot about bender he plays this character as this rebel character but he still turns up to detention yeah like, uh, if he was really who he says he was, he wouldn't come. He wouldn't yeah. be bothered. Yeah, that's true. I like the scene where he keeps back chatting the teacher yeah. and he just keeps getting more no. attention. I did that loads at school. <laughs> and he says, we asked him to eat his shorts. Eat my shorts. Yeah, that's yeah, it's aged. definitely aged. <laughs> yeah, that's aged. <laughs> All right, have you got any more trivia, fun facts, fan theories, or uh, is it in the Matrix? It's a training uh, exercise in the Matrix. Is it really? <laughs> yes, Christian, it is. Um, no, the only fan theory that I've got is my fan theory is obviously Bender actually does this every single weekend and he goes through literally all of the same emotions with all lots of different people. Oh, that's fun. That's and fun to think about. He, that's just who he is. And he just, he that, just plays people up every he just single plays week. People up. This is what he's. At his playground every well, Saturday. He's like, he's like the Joker, isn't he? He just yeah. goes in and he feels comfortable in chaos. Yeah. But he knows at the end of it that he's going to get loads of emotional response from everyone else that it, it, it's he's, either helping he, him or he can use it as ammo at some point. Yeah. Because that's kind of his characteristics of that. He can wind more people up so he's trying to find as much information or he's literally that lost as a person that yeah. he needs this. Yeah, well, he's, of, he's obviously not getting that emotional yeah. connection at home so he needs to find yeah. it somewhere. He and needs to have an outlet. One of, one of the, obviously the, the other girl turns up and she's not meant to be there. And well, really, we don't know. Well, that's what she says. she says. Well, she's also a pathological liar. Yeah, that's true. Um, I like to think she's not meant to be there and now she's in the game of like turning up every week and messing with everyone else, which is very like Fight Club. Um, Edward Norton's character, he goes to the support groups and then um, the woman goes to the same support groups and now it's kind of taken his thing. So it's it's very similar, them two characters in those two different films. They've got they go to this one thing that no one else knows about, and they're always there. Yeah, and they're allowed to kind of mess with people. So that's fun to think about. Yep. So I think that's probably it. I've got a fun fact. Okay, mm-hmm. you do that. I'll uh, I'll put the music on. Uh, you know at the, the beginning where this, the glass shatters, and then we get some shots of the high school down corridors and things like that. There's a there the was a, um, was it no there was like a, a a notice board that said like man of the year. Oh yeah, you know who that was? It was the janitor. Janitor, yeah. Yeah. So, Carl. Is it Carl? Carl? Yeah. It's also there was a um, in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Yeah, that off? was the same same high school. Same high school as yeah. well. 
Yeah, I think they were all in the same universe, all yeah, the John Hughes the, films. John, John Hughes. Yeah. Um, the other but, thing, the, the, the stuff they were smoking was... Uh, Oregano. 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 Oregano, yeah. That Good was, fun fact. Good fun fact. That smelled good. That would there. stink. Uh, Burned oregano. Yeah. Um, All right, what we're going to watch next week then? Well, we Christian's not going to be here. So I'm away. You're in um, Edinburgh Fringe. In Edinburgh Fringe. He's, doing, some, a, he's doing a stand-up. Seeing some comedy. Uh, you're it's a tall lad, so that'll be easy. <laughs> he's uh, a tall man group. That's what he's called. <laughs> um, and it's just him. Just me, so, Solo just, show, tall man group. Yeah, just, just literally me. just going to stand there for an hour. So people will pay for that. It's like art, isn't it? People will pay for that. Um, no, he's just in Edinburgh French. So we're going to get our friend Daniel Lemon on the podcast and we're going to watch. Donny Doggo. Donny Doggo. If you're in Edinburgh French next week, give me a uh, give me a message. I'll meet up with you. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> you're not very nice, are you, Christian? No, I will. Just send us a tweet. Okay, cool. Um, send him a tweet and meet up with him and tell him how tall he is. Um, and if you want to send us a tweet, it's just at the filmwork on Twitter. If you've got any comments, questions... Or if you've got any notes on The Breakfast Club, or any Darko. of our previous ones, or Donnie Darko, get it watched. Come join us next week. I've not seen it. I only know the picture of him sitting in the cinema with the bunny. Yeah. The bunny rabbit. That's all I know about. Frank. Frank. It's the bunny. Frank is this. Spoilers. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I've saw bits of it when I was like really young. Didn't get it. Um, I just know Isn't there's a scary? rabbit in it. It's weird. Psychological. Okay. Yeah. So I can watch them. I don't really like scary films. <laughs> right, cool. We're going to watch that next week. Um, yeah, I'm going to end it there. All right. Yeah, thank you for listening to this week's podcast, uh, nice. where we do try and achieve it one shot at a time. And until next time, goodbye. Bye. We're all putting our fists in the air right now. Yeah. <laughs> Freeze frame. I don't know how I ended now that I got music. <laughs> Just and, fade it out. Fade and- it out. Listeners, don't you forget about us. No? Too nearly? Nice. That works. Done.